This is a National Arts Center podcast. Welcome to the We Love Canadian Music Podcast. I'm your host, NAC Presents Executive Producer, Heather Gibson. We Love Canadian Music brings you up-close and personal interviews with Canadian musicians on far-ranging topics from life on the road to the artists they find most inspiring. Join us every two weeks for a new interview. I'm here today with Megan Bonnell, and uh, welcome. Thank you. So nice to be back. Um, and you're uh, playing at the Fourth Stage. Yes, which I'm really excited about because I have not played that room yet, and I've been here about four times, um, and so it's nice to nice Which is to a bit of a atypical approach to the institution because normally in the National Arts you start at the Fourth Stage. Totally, but I think um, this is my first headlining gig here, so that's, I'm extra excited because of that. Um, I've been touring through with friends before as an opener mm-hmm. with Great Lake Swimmers. I did an opening slot with David Miles right. and um, The Once. Right. And yeah, so this will be The last time was start. with The Once. Yeah, exactly. Right. That was in the fall. Yeah. yeah. Geraldine, uh, her voice is just getting stronger and stronger. Oh, what a great their singer. harmonies are crazy. Yeah. Like they're... It's kind of annoying, really, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I really didn't get I mean... along with them. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you so we good at it, what guys. you do? <laughs> Uh-huh. And and you work with uh, some great Canadian artists like Josh Van Tassel. Yes, yes. Joshua Van Tassel is my one of my two producers. Uh, he's unfortunately on tour with Donovan Woods right now. Donovan got him before yeah. me for um for oh, it's tour. It's not a bad gig, though. It's a great gig. Yeah. They're out west right now, and Donovan's doing so well, and it's so nice to see like them all. We watched their Toronto show. And it was just so great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Josh Van Tassel, Chris Stringer, who's a, the other producer, but he's mm-hmm. also my guitar player. He's with me. Yeah, I worked with Chris uh, <clears throat> on one of Amelia Kern's albums. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I currently do not remember which one it was, but it was recently. Um, yeah, it was one of the last from a couple years ago. And actually, yeah. Devin Henderson, her bass player, yeah. is here with me tonight, too. Oh, is that? Yeah. De- oh, Devin's here. Yeah. Yeah. He has the best hair in the business. Uh, I was just saying, well, so right now, <laughs> but when I do my hair, it's a bit of a hair competition we've got going oh. on. We both have an aggressive side part and curls. He has. He's incre- really yeah. like makes me step it up. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's also very often um, very well uh, pressed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He's, he's got his, his yeah. stuff He's a man together. from another time with the <laughs> the big, you know, lots of hair and well-pressed shirt yes, kind of thing. Yes, a Truro boy. I know. That's right. I found that out. Toronto, Nova Scotia. Yeah. But you grew up in Toronto. I grew up, uh, so I've lived in Toronto for about 12 years now. I grew up north of Toronto in a place called Caledon, um, farm country too. Mm-hmm. And um, were yeah, my family's were still family there. farmers? We weren't farmers, but I did like grow up horseback riding. We live in the country, but not on a like traditional farm. Right. Um, yeah. So everyone's still there. My sister and her family and my did you Did you have a horse? I did. Yeah, that was my... And what was your horse's name? His name was Klee, which he came with the name. And uh, he was 17 hands, beautiful. That's a good-sized horse. Oh, yeah. He was huge and beautiful and uh, my obsession for a very long time. And uh, and then when I moved to the city, 
uh, it kind of lined up with him needing to retire with with age. And uh, so, did you do shows? I did. Yeah, I did hunter jumper stuff. Oh. Yeah, which I miss so much. I hope to get back to it sometime. Is that soon. out in the fields? Um, yeah, I mean, generally, um, all the hunter stuff is kind of contained within paddocks, but it's basically, you know, you're you're outside and in in nature. But some of the more like freewheeling stuff is um, eventing, which is really cool because then you're like jumping over actual like. These are words I've stuff. never even heard before. <laughs> eventing. <laughs> Oh, that's eventing. So you're jumping over like, but this is not what we see on the TV. No, that is totally, that's, um, that's jumper. That's jumper. Yeah. Which is crazy and amazing. That's the kind of stuff that I like. You're kind of like against the clock and you're jumping six foot fences. And I mean, I never was at that level, but I love that. So, but then what is eventing? Eventing is, I, I believe it's a mix of three things. I never did it, but you're outside, um, I want to say it's a mix of dressage, but then jumping where you're like out in the fields, um, jumping over like falling down trees and all kinds of things like that. It's what a little bit more hardcore. You're ripping it <laughs> yeah, out there. Exactly. Um, but don't quote me on that. It's been a while, but I'm pretty sure that's people, what it's called. Megan Bunnell says this is the truth. <laughs> so so Ooh, I have a, we're, we're going to pour some water. That's what that noise <laughs> is thirsty. right there. We're thirsty here on. We're parched. The, yeah, parched Thank in the you. blog. This is, um, I basically spent the day talking. (coughs) And apparently this is going to happen. Well, but so then when when did you stop with your horse? That would have been, I mean, gosh, now, um, 12 years ago. That's not a question I ever thought would come out of my mouth. When did you stop with your horse? (laughs) Oh, so when you were a girl. Yeah, once I moved, uh, when I went, I moved to Toronto to go to University of (coughs) Toronto and had a band at the time so all of that was starting to to pick up and being in Toronto just limited it more but he moved to my best friend's mom's farm and like lived very happily where I visited him often um yeah so it was it was a good time well I have very little uh, experience recently with um I was in Ireland and uh, I'd like to try new things it's sort of my jam yeah and so my friend said when was the last time you went horseback riding and uh, they're very large animals. <laughs> yes. I had forgotten. And so we had to tell them how tall we were and how much we weighed. Yeah. Well, her horse came out and it was lovely. And my horse came out <laughs> and it was basically one of those like pack horses with like the big hair on their hooves. Oh, yeah. Like a Belgian or yeah, something. Yeah, because I was honest about how much I weigh, I guess is the problem. And so I have this massive horse and there's this lovely Irish, young Irish woman who's going to lead the two of us through yeah. this property and go wow. to the forest or whatever. And and the horses, the funny thing was they had like adult male names. It was like Dave and Bill. And My I dog's name is Dave. <laughs> and it was like, so I was on Bill and Bill was massive. Anyways, and Bill also liked to just but stop. They're the and, comfy horses though, because they're well, like a big, like a couch you can sit on. I should have thought of it that way. But we were just like, dun, 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 dun. and then Bill kept trying to eat the shrubs. Like he was, Bill. and the woman was like, it's okay when we hit the, when we hit the grassland, Bill will go because he's a hunter. Okay. And I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> Anyways, Big Bill hits the ghost from the asphalt, little lane that we're on, hits the thing. And then I was, we had to have a chat. I was like, Bill, you are going a little too fast. I have no control here. And she was like, oh, he likes to jump. And I was like, we are not jumping. 
we were jumping nothing. <laughs> Anyways, Bill and I had a chat, and then he slowed down a little bit. But Good. he was, uh, that was my, my last, that was about a year, two years ago. And Do you and Bill keep in touch? Or? No, no. I think about him often. Yeah. And I have some pictures there. He looks quite comfortable and a little bit bored, and I do not. I, I look very alert, and like bad things could happen. But uh, um, I think that um, there was a moment in the first 35 seconds where I was like, I'm in Ireland and I can break something on this. Like, if, oh, what yeah. happens if you it's break? Totally. Yeah, I that's wasn't. A, that's a big fall from a draft horse. It, like that. it was a draft horse. Yeah. See, that's what you know what it's called. It was like we should have been pulling some wagons. That was such a big horse. <laughs> yeah, it was. He was a big guy. Anyway, so so you uh, you moved to Toronto for university. And yes, you, you and stayed for music. The whole time. Yeah, it was kind of. Um, I knew I wanted to go to school. I knew I wanted to go to university, but it was kind of right when. My first band was actually starting to get really active. So U of T seemed like the right choice because all the venues in the city are there. And right. it really worked out that way, actually, that got really familiar with the Toronto music scene. And then we started touring a little bit. So it spread out. And it's funny because people I met, some people that I met when I was 18 starting out in Toronto, were all still in it here. Right. And to watch, you know, some people have gone into the business side of stuff and then others are still and their bands and it's just it's it is such a I mean you know like the Canadian music scene so intimate for such mm-hmm. a sprawling big country it's right. so it's a close yeah, family. Yeah we kind of all know each other. Yeah. 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 And if we don't we've heard like they're like third cousins we've heard of them. Exactly yeah. yeah. But we just we haven't met them yet. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> we haven't been to the right festival to meet that cousin but um so your this is your third album? Yes this is the third album it came out um just shy of a year ago and we've pretty much been touring all year and it's been really fun like with this album it's called Separate Rooms and uh, I really as a solo artist though you know a lot of the time over the years either you're out opening for somebody so often it's solo or you're just you know trying to save money where you can and so solo shows are happening but with this album it was important for me to make a real push to have the band with me as much as possible just because the album is like it's a has a full band sound and it's I guess the music's just kind of taken more of that direction as as it's progressed and so it's been fun to have them with me and really be able to recreate the album for the live shows because it I think this album more than the other two definitely has more pace and kind of groove. So mm. to have have everybody there to fill those spaces is really nice. So are you then, um, is it safe to say like you're naturally uh, a front person? You're naturally like more than, you know, I, we were talking the other day in the office about how uh, we were getting a lot of, of pitches and seem to be seeing this trend of solo artists. Right. And so there was a time in yeah. probably more in the 90s and the early 2000s where there's a lot of bands. For sure. And a lot of these sort of four or five piece bands and you'd, you know, and they sort of collaboratively wrote or had their own. Yeah. Um, and that seems to be that, that there's been a shift to that. No, you're right. There's definitely a resurgence of the singer songwriter. Definitely. I think. Do you think some of that's related to what you said earlier about how, you know, you try and save some costs? Do you think that's a cost thing? I or? mean, I'm sure that's a factor for sure. Um, and then... Yeah, I'm sure there's a few different reasons, but... Um, Do you mostly write alone? I, for the most part, write alone, but with this album, <clears throat> I uh, I wrote uh, the first single off the album called Separate Rooms, the title track. Uh, it was a co-write with Donovan Woods, which was mm-hmm. super fun. Um, so I tried to 
collaborate with a few people that I really like love what they're doing. So Donovan was one of them and that was a great experience. And then Brett Higgins from Great Lake Swimmers, he's the bass player. Mm-hmm. And uh, him and I sat down and we still collaborate a lot, but for for this album we had something in mind and uh and so there's two two co-writes on this album. And then Chris uh, Stringer and Josh Van Tassel, my producers, we basically go into the studio with sort of the stripped down tracks. You know, it's either piano or guitar. I write on both. Um, but, you know, they have a huge, uh, huge hand in in like sonically everything that gets added. So they're very involved. Like the three of us have, oh, I guess for the past all three albums, eight years or so, have been a real team in that way. Like they've really help shape things too. So you show up in the studio with with the lyrics and piano. Yeah. You know, and, and then the guys sort of help bring yeah, some Yeah, the three of us sort of... usually kind of hunker down in the studio and um and we haven't in the past done any pre-pro where we kind of like often you go in with the band and kind of sculpt out the parts so that you know when you go in either you're playing it off the floor or all the sections are kind of there designated already, but I think for us where we all kind of feel like the magic lies with uh, what we do is kind of almost stumbling on it and exploring it while we're going. And it's really, it's been really fun to do that and pretty rewarding because it gets pretty inspiring when we're all kind of just like in that mode of like, well, let's try this and open to anything. And, um, and so, yeah, when we go in, it's, you know, I would have no idea in the beginning what we were going to end up with. And the songs take so much shape and and end up at end up at a totally different place than when they started. And um, it was cool to see. You know, I guess maybe when you're four songs into the album, you start to get a sense. Of, so this is what the album's going to be and sound like. And um, yeah, right. And it's in, I, for me, it's interesting. The the orchestra. One of the, the people who work here in the orchestra said yeah. to me that that um, that orchestras when they go to record something yeah. they actually play that on tour right. for 10 or 12 or 30 dates right and it gets better and it gets better and it gets better and then after they've done their tour they record right which is the opposite of what which you is do. so smart <laughs> I mean, that's what you should do <laughs> which has actually been fun we've got a few new tunes where um we're playing them now and right. and kind of like yeah realizing how things translate live and then you're more informed I guess it works both ways, but there's definitely something to be said about that for sure. Well, it's almost like in in the world of contemporary pop, it's like it's like in your CD release, it's like you are almost surprising people. Totally, like, here's my new thing, yeah. and surprise. It's kind of but, the formula that people have gone with, I right. guess. Yeah. But meanwhile, you haven't really tried tried those. And you're songs terrified out. to play them because you've never played them before, you yeah. know, in that setting. And yeah. Well, yeah. and so I was thinking when when he said that to me. Um, when I was working with Amelia on, she has a song um, in a town yeah. uh, that she was on tour. We were we were touring in Australia, and she started singing this song. I don't yeah. know that, that because in Australia, four people knew who she was. Right, right. So it was like this very safe environment yeah. of trying out songs. And so I, when I watched her starting to do that, and then that song changed dramatically from right. what it was that the first show until like the eighth or ninth show, and then it's not even the same on the album anymore. Right. So it was that kind of scenario, and so she, it's almost like she had to, she was writing it or something. As she she was totally. tweaking it and whatever else, and it made me think that. That I, was it a matter of comfort because in in that classical realm somebody else has composed that piece right. and the orchestra is trying to find 
their interpretation and voice of it of as it as they go through. Yeah. Whereas a singer songwriter, you're kind of in this position where you're supposed to show up brilliant. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's true. Here's my shiny new thing. And, <laughs> For sure. And be, and I think I started thinking that way because because she chose to do it on a tour where. People didn't really know who she was. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I wonder There was if, that room to explore. Yeah. It was this sort of safe room. Yeah. She was always, like you say, opening a lot. Yeah. So do you find that when you, when you were opening for the, you know, when you had a lot of those opening yeah. gigs, did you, does it feel like you have a little more room or is it more like, okay, I've got to nail this. And so I'm doing only my five best songs. Yeah. I think, I, I think it's both. There is. I think often in opening slots, because the amazing part is, you know, you're given this beautiful audience that's there ready to listen, Mm. um, you know, that may not know who you are at that point. And so um, so that stress is kind of taken away of like when the pressure's on you to to fill the room. And um, so I think that frees things up within you when you're performing of like, okay, they're here now and now I just kind of have to deliver. But I think you're right. There is this freedom in you know, because maybe they don't know what to expect, you know, you can kind of move around and, and try new things. And because they're hearing you for the first time, it's not like they're going to be disappointed if you don't play your, uh, you know, best yeah. five songs or whatever. So there's been times, I think, especially when it's been a tour where I've been opening, where it feels like, you know, you're wanting to change things up um, and you're comfortable because you're playing every night. It's like, let's bring in something new. Um, and just integrate it into the set and, and see how it feels. And um, But then I was just thinking, too, in the studio, there is something cool about, um, like, recording a song that's fresh and new, I think because there's, like, a vulnerability and okay. such a newness where that magic that you feel in the beginning of that, like, connection with a new song where it still really kind of sparks something in you. Like, not that it – I mean, they – continue to over time and I think they kind of change their meaning to you over time but um, there's something there that I think to capture that is is special too Hmm. yeah yeah I mean it's a it's interesting the different the different processes that that artists have but by and large by genre they there seems to be a similarity of that process of of how things have evolved and then how you get to that, yeah. that CD part. But I've also talked to a few artists lately who said they think they might be finished releasing CDs. Right. And you is that something that, a... that you, you're feeling? Is it, is it, and by that, I guess I should say to people that, that not that they're going to stop making music, I know. but that the whole format of a the whole 10 format, or 12 or 14 song piece of work I know it's starting to is, feel archaic or something, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I, I, I guess to me, even though I know this isn't the case, but I think that makes a lot of sense with um, more like pop artists where, you know, I know everything's shifting this way to the streaming, but oh, I still feel so attached to like the idea of an album, just I guess for the artistic, like the story of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I'll continue, you know, depending on how much things change, continue to change in the industry. I would like to continue to keep doing albums, but but be smart about it. You know, you still have to, um, you know, release singles here and there, engage in the way that is working right now. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think I just, albums are what I feel proud of, I think. And there's still so many people, you know, the people that come out to these shows where it's like, we devour albums. Like I know it's becoming less of a way to listen. Often it's just like clicking on streaming sites and playlists and all those things. But 
um, to really connect with an album. Like that's how I love listening to music. So, hmm. yeah. Well, Megan Manel, I hope you have a great show tonight. Thank and, you so um, much. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to We Love Canadian Music. If you like what you heard, subscribe to the podcast. We hope you'll give NAC Presents a like on Facebook and find us online by searching for NAC Presents. This has been a National Arts Centre podcast produced in Ottawa by NAC New Media. Send us your comments and questions. Email us at nacpodcasts at gmail.com. Visit the podcast section of the iTunes store where you can rate and comment on this podcast. We love to hear from you. Remember, you can find more great NAC podcasts at nacpodcast.ca or search on National Arts Centre on iTunes and subscribe for free. Until next time, goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre.